Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In Nicomachean Ethics Book 7, Aristotle analyzes a very important moral phenomenon called akrasia in Greek, which we can translate as lack or loss of self-control. It's also translated as lack of self-restraint, unrestraint, incontinence, a whole bunch of other things. And the general idea behind it is that a person knows what the right thing to do is, maybe even feels that it's the right thing, but then they do something else instead. And Aristotle is interested in analyzing this with respect to the whole range of objects that we might talk about somebody being less than self-controlled with respect to. Now, he talks about unrestraint or lack of self-control in a very general, unqualified sense. And then he goes on to talk about it as it applies to other types of objects. And that's what we're primarily interested in here. Qualified, or as he says, katameros, uh, according to the part or after the part, forms of akrasia or or lack of self-control. The primary sense of the term, he says, is concerned with the same sorts of things that temperance itself, the the virtue, and intemperance, or self-indulgence, the vice, is concerned with, that is, pleasures. And not all pleasures altogether, but pleasures primarily of the body. So Aristotle has in mind those of drinking, which would include not just, you know, drinking alcohol, but also water and other things, milk perhaps, eating. Uh, eating all sorts of things, and then the pleasures having to do with sex. We might extend it further than Aristotle does in terms of other types of physical comfort, but I think that that probably fits better under what Aristotle is going to discuss a little bit later in terms of softness and endurance, which have to do less with pleasure and in more respect with avoidance of pain. Here we're interested in pleasure or desire for pleasure, epithumia in Greek. And Aristotle says, look, that's what, when we talk about somebody being unrestrained or lacking self-control in the general sense, that's what we're talking about. Somebody who gives in. The example would be somebody who eats too much candy. They go to the Christmas party or the holiday party and there's bowls of candy all around and they tell themselves, well, I'm not on a diet, but I also know that it's not good for me to eat, you know, two pounds of chocolate at a time. But they find themselves stuffing themselves over the course of the evening and at the end they look at the bowls and like wow I sure sure ate a lot of candy we could come up with all sorts of other examples like that so we want to put those aside how is Aristotle going to do that? He's going to make a distinction in these pleasures between those which he calls necessary and those which are not necessary, whose objects in a certain way are desirable for their own sake. They don't make us want them because we need to satisfy some physical urge, but rather because there's something about them that we find attractive on their own account. And most of the things that he's going to talk about as examples, it's clear what, what the attraction is. With anger, it's a little bit less clear, but we'll make that clear as we go on. So he does have a few things to say about these types of pleasures. He says, the necessary sources of pleasures are those connected with the body, those of nutrition and sex. In fact, those bodily functions we've indicated as the sphere of prolificacy and temperance. The other sources of pleasure are not necessary. Now, he says, those who against the right principle within them exceed in regard to the latter class of pleasant things, we don't call unrestrained simply 
hoplos, we call them unrestrained with some sort of qualification. So we say, that guy can't keep it together with respect to children and parents. That woman over there can't keep it together with respect to her drive for victory or success. And we can go on and on with examples like this. So he says, we give them a qualification. We say unrestrained as to money, gain, or honor, or anger. Not merely unrestrained, because we regard them as distinct from the unrestrained in the strict sense. This is a very important point. How does this work then? So he calls this acrosia in the qualified sense, as we said, katameros. And it concerns these things that are not necessary for us, but we do in fact desire in some way. So the examples that he uses are the ones that I've put here, but we could think of many other things probably within our own society that could also fit in with this. For example, if we don't want to follow Aristotle in thinking that visual spectacles and something like gaming would be something that would fall under temperance, I think there's an argument that could be made there. But if we don't do that, then we could say perhaps a person could be unrestrained, have a crossia with respect to video games. What would that look like? They say that they're only going to spend 20 minutes doing it, and suddenly two hours have passed. And they've had multiple points where they looked up at the clock and they said, oh, I wasn't supposed to go this far. But their desire spurs them to go on against what it is that right principle or reason tells them they ought to do. So they give in. And we can think of many, many other ways in which this plays out. And these types of goods, we can also say, well, there's a lot of things that fall under their scope. So let's look at the examples that he uses very quickly. Victory or success. Nike in Greek, the word we get Nike from, your, your shoes. If you are the kind of person who normally is pretty well put together, but you easily become a bit too competitive in certain situations, you might be unrestrained with respect to victory. And if you think about the broader term, you know, we talk about people being winners or losers and some people being obsessed with winning or having, you know, sometimes a little skewed notions of, of winning so they can always be winning, right? That would be what he's talking about here. Honor or social status. There's a lot of things that people will do when they think that, well, this isn't quite the right thing to do and I probably should resist this desire, but I'm going to give in to it because it's going to make me, you know, famous or get me on the internet or because there's, you know, famous, famous and internet famous, although the difference between those is eroding as we speak. There's there's plenty of other things as well. People will often make bad decisions on the basis of joining some sort of what seems to be an exclusive club. There's a lot of marketing scams that actually work this way. And that could be an example of a crossia with respect to honor, teammate. Uh, wealth or gain. Lots of cases where people cut corners knowing that they're cutting corners in order to make a buck. Aristotle uses the term wealth, chema, which is, you know, property or, or money. Again, kerdos, that's a little bit tied with victory or success, trying to get ahead, you might say. So all of these sorts of things can lead us to make decisions that are, in, in retrospect, not good decisions. We don't follow what we know to be the right thing. We do know it to be the right thing, but we do otherwise. And all of these are examples of things that are pleasurable for us, but they're not necessary pleasures. We're not going to die if we don't have them or feel like we're going to die uh, unless we're really badly off with respect to them, in which case a person might actually be vicious and not just lacking self-control. 
Children and parents. I'll come back to anger in just a minute. Children and parents, this is an interesting one. Aristotle says that children and parents are a good for us, that we ought to do things for them. We ought to take them into consideration. That's what a good person does. However, it is possible, and you see many cases like this, to go too far. And we might think of that going too far in terms not just of, of excessiveness that way, like, you know, being so cautious about your children that you force them to wear all sorts of clothing that, that isn't really what the weather is calling for. There's maybe something similar like that with aged parents. But we could also think about this in terms of leading us to ignore other important goods that are at stake in the situation that a morally serious person would take into account. And people will often say things like, yeah, I know that it's not exactly the right thing to do, but it is my kid. So I'm going to do this in this case. That would be an example of a lack of self-control with respect to children. Now, anger is an interesting case. Anger is not a pleasant thing. When you feel it, Aristotle says, you're feeling it because of a sense of pain, of some sort of insult or injury or you know threat, something that's been inflicted on you or those who you are concerned with or even things that you care about, like, for example, philosophy, he says. It's also painful to feel the emotion of anger. What it is that's pleasurable in anger is what Aristotle calls timoresis, which is retribution or, or setting things right. Sometimes just getting people to acknowledge, hey, I did the wrong thing and you're actually right and I'm, I'm sorry for it. That can be timoresis or it can be burning somebody's house down or throwing them off a cliff. There's a lot of things in between, right? That's a, that's a whole different subject matter. But in imagining or hoping for timorasis and then in actually achieving timorasis, there is pleasure. And people can be excessive and go against what they know to be the right thing in situations. They can lack self-control with respect to anger by pursuing timorasis. They lose perspective, we often say. So every one of these is a form form of qualified acrasia. Like I said, there could be many more that Aristotle himself didn't come up with, but those would be up to you to think through. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.